It's good to see everyone this morning, and if you're visiting with us, we continue to uh, consider you our honored guests, and we ask that you might fill out a visitor's card. I don't remember if Jim mentioned that, that we might have a record of your attendance. Saw a meme on the internet, and it showed this young man, and he was in a straight jacket. And you could tell just from the look on his face that he, was, he had lost it. His eyes were wild-eyed and everything. And the caption on the meme was, a retail worker that had heard one too many Christmas songs. <laughs> Getting down to it, isn't it? Used to be you didn't see Christmas uh, decorations, Christmas trees, Christmas songs until after Thanksgiving. Then they moved it to about the first week in November. And now they don't even have the Halloween out stuff out of the stores till they're putting Christmas decorations out so we can extend or they can extend the buying season. Well, I'm all for extending part of the Christmas season, not so much the buying and the decorations, but Sometimes we treat each other a little better during that time of year. Sometimes we treat each other a little worse during that time each year. It depends whether you're on the Black Friday crowds or whatever it is. But hopefully, you know, the world around us is a little softer, a little kinder, a little gentler this time of year. So that's always a good thing. And if we could extend that out... Uh, Every day of the year, that would be a fine thing. And for most of us, uh, this time of year is, is a fun time, especially if we have young people at home and children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren. It's fun uh, to see their faces as they open up those gifts on Christmas morning. But for some, it's not a good time of year. There may be illness in their family. There may be a tragedy that has just come up. There may have been a death of a loved one, or their loved ones are so far away that they're not going to see them over this time when we think about family and we think about friends and we think about loved ones. So this lesson this morning is a lesson that I hope will be encouraging to all of us. Because when we feel like we don't have anyone else, we have God. And, and, and as Brother Eddie pointed out, we have each other. And so in this lesson this morning, we're going to look at these three W's that, that define or or are part of being God's people, and, and, and it's who we are, what we should be about, and why we should be about the things we should be about. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Here Peter's writing to Christians. He calls them pilgrims. He says in, in chapter 1, verse 3, that, that they have an inheritance in heaven. 
It's incorruptible, undefiled, which does not fade away. That, that God is holding it in his, in, in his hands for them, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith. In other words, God is watching over this inheritance that, that you and I have as New Testament Christians. And he's holding it for us. And he's holding it for us because we are people of faith. And he says, ready to be revealed in the last time. And in other words, there will come a time when, when this inheritance that God has is holding in reserve for us will be made known. And then Peter goes on to talk to them about this trial they're facing. And, and it must have been something that, that, that would had the possibility of intensifying because he calls it a fiery trial. Christmas is a hard time to have a trial. This season is a hard time to have a trial. You hear joy to the world. You see all these happy things. You hear these sleigh bells. You hear all those things that want us to be happy and joyful and, and sing praises to God and all these things. And sometimes we don't feel like doing that. So Peter tells them in chapter 2 beginning in verse 9. Notice what he says. But you... But you are a chosen generation. He's talking to us who are New Testament Christians. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's saying this. He's writing this by the inspiration of God. And he says that we are a chosen generation. God did not choose us individually. He didn't say, I'm choosing Bob, but I'm not choosing Fred. He didn't say that I'm choosing Kyle, but I did not choose James over here. He's saying, here's this group of people, this generation. And this generation, that word generation, carries the idea of there's a familial, there's a family context in that word. In other words, here's this family, a family of God, who are his chosen ones. Hold your finger there in 1 Peter and turn back to Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul helps us to understand what that means. Notice beginning in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted. Notice, he made us accepted in 
his or in the beloved. What was Paul saying? When we are in Christ, when we are in the body of Christ, when we are in the church which Christ purchased with his blood, when we are citizens of the kingdom of Christ over which he reigns, we have all spiritual blessings. And we are God's chosen family. And that we are going to be adopted. We are God's adopted. That's what Peter was letting them know. Don't ever forget that in the face of whatever trial that you may be going through, whatever grief you may be suffering, whatever tribulation that has come and set on your door, that you, as a New Testament Christian, are God's chosen family. Because you're in Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Peter uses that term in chapter 1, verses 1 and true. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect, same word, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And in chapter 2, verse 4, coming to him as living stones, he says, talking about us as New Testament Christians, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. And then in verse 6, therefore it also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, same word, Precious, and he who believes on him will by no means put to shame. We are God's elect generation. We are God's elect family. Before the foundation of the world, God says, here is going to be my people. And this people that are going to be mine are those who are holy and blameless before me in love. They are going to be those that are in a relationship with my son because all spiritual blessings will be for them. That's who you are this morning. But Peter doesn't end there, does he? But you are a chosen generation, a royal, a royal priesthood. You know, under the Old Testament, not everybody could be a priest. You had to look back in your ancestry and you had to see if you were of the tribe of Levi before you could be a priest. You just couldn't say, hey, I'm going to be a priest. And not only that, you had to be more than just the, the tribe of the Levi. You had to be a descendant of Aaron, Moses' brother. Now, we may have somebody in here that knows their genealogy back hundreds, maybe thousands of years. But you know, probably most of us here don't even know the names of our great, great, great grandparents. Imagine that. 
If my service to God depended upon who I was related to. Peter says, you're a royal priesthood. We're a body of priests. He had told Israel the same thing. You're to be a priest to the Gentiles. You're to be a light to the Gentiles. And they had failed in this. And we cannot fail. Because if we're not the priesthood of believers to this world around us, who's going to be? Those we see on television? We watch some of the things that they say that are clearly contrary to the word of God. We are a priesthood. We are a body of priests, but not just a body of priests, a royal, a royal priesthood. Possibly two thoughts there. In Revelation chapter 22, I believe it is, it talks about the believers reigning with Christ throughout eternity. So it may refer to us as a reigning, as a, as a royal, in the, in the sense that we become royalty with God, with Christ. But I think more likely that what Peter is saying here is that we are a priesthood to a royal, individual the king of kings the lord of lords we are a priesthood as christ is our high priest a priest that serves the king of kings the lord of lords There are many people today, many men and I think women, that are called priests by various individuals within their religious group. And in each one of those religious groups, there is a hierarchy that leads to a human being as presiding over that religious group. The church Jesus died for doesn't have that. We are a royal priesthood to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and there is no one between us and him. Peter says, you're a royal priesthood. So if you're going through a trial, if you're going through a difficulty, and if your trial is fiery, remember this, you're a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You serve the king of kings and the lord of lords, and you serve as a priest in his kingdom. And what else? He goes on to say, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The thought there when we think about holiness is that we are a group. We are a group united by a common faith, a common kinship, 
a common tradition that has been dedicated and consecrated to God. In other words, God has looked at us as his chosen generation, his royal priesthood, his holy nasus, and he says, I can use these people. I'm going to set them apart because they have a common faith, a common kinship, a common tradition. See, we are in Christ. We are part of his body. We are in Christ. We follow the faith once delivered, as Jude says in Jude verse 3. And in Galatians chapter 3 verse 26, Paul writes, We are all children of God through the faith. This body of information that God gave us, this gospel of Jesus Christ, God says, I'm setting those people apart. They are the ones that I can use. A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special People. I think the King James reads there his a peculiar people. And that verse got a lot of mileage among those that use the King James because they thought that as New Testament Christians we had to be odd. And there are religious groups that say the odder we are, or at least it seems like they're saying this, the odder that we are, the more that we are God's people. We're not going to cut our hair. We're not going to. We're going to wear clothes that were were popular 150 years ago. We're going to do all these things because we want to be odd. We're peculiar, but that's not what God's saying in that. That may have been what that word peculiar meant when the translators of the King James used it. But today when we think peculiar, we think odd. Or we scratch our head about it. The thought there is we belong to God. We are God's purchased possession. Christians are special people because God has preserved them for himself. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 1 and notice in verses 13 and 14. He says, in him, in him, in Christ, in him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Same thought. There's in there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse uh, 9. Until the redemption of the purchased possession 
to the praise of his glory. God has given us the indwelling Holy Spirit. The presence of God within us. As a guarantee. As a down payment. Of this glory. That will be ours. Peter says. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. And God has called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. There's probably some of us here. That understand that verse. Very well. Because as we look back at our life and some of the foolishness of our young years. We understand darkness. We understand when we're walking down a road that only leads to more heartache and more despair, only leads to tears in our parents and tears in our loved ones, sometimes tears with our spouses and with our children. We understand darkness. It's a darkness that comes over us. It affects everything that we do. And we do that because man, Jesus said, we love darkness. But God's called us out of that. See, who we are are people that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous Light into his marvelous light. We talked last week or a couple weeks about all the things that we as New Testament Christians miss because we walk in the light of God. We miss hangovers. We miss sexually transmitted diseases. We miss, and the list could go on and on and on because we no longer walk in darkness. We walk in his marvelous light. God has called us out of that. And he goes on and says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. See, God chose this group those that were that are in Christ in a relationship with his son and God says I'm going to show mercy to them and God gets to choose to whom he shows mercy he tells us that numerous times in the scriptures 
Sometimes we think we're good enough, but Paul says in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. None of us are perfect. Even if we did everything perfectly, if we didn't do it with the right attitude and the right heart, we would be sinning. There are none righteous in and of ourselves. We cannot be good enough to be in Christ. We have to humble ourselves. And if we're willing to do that, God shows us mercy. That's who we are. We are God's chosen people. We are his holy nation. We are his royal priesthood. We're his own special people. We are those that have been called out of darkness into his light. We are those who receive the mercy of God. And because we are those people, what should we do? Notice what he says. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of God. If you and I, as New Testament Christians, don't proclaim the praises of God, who is? Is it going to be that guy on television just says, you go up to God and you just tell him what you want and he'll give it to you? Or is it going to be us who understand mercy, who understand grace, who understand this gift that God has given to us through his son? Proclaim the praises, and that word praises is only used a couple other times in the Bible, but it's used and translated much different elsewhere. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, and you might be familiar with this verse, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things that are noble, whatever things that are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good of report, if there is any virtue, there's that word, praises, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The idea is we are to praise, we are to shout forth the eminent qualities, the excellencies, the virtues of God. Why should we do that? Because all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are in Christ. And you and I as New Testament Christians are in Christ. Because we are God's chosen, because we're in Christ. We are God's people, because we're in Christ. We have been adapt, ad adopted. Who can sing those praises? Who can proclaim them if you and I, as New Testament Christians, do not? That's something that I think about when things may be going south in my life, when things aren't always going as well as I hope they would or would like them to be, that here's an excellent, merciful God who has thought about me. Me. We sing that song about being a worm. Is that in Amazing Grace? One of the songs we, we sing, talk about it as God's blessed, as the worm that we are. And sometimes maybe we feel like that. 
that why would God think about me? So we should proclaim the praises of God. We should abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Look at verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We all have desires. Some of them are inherent in the way God created us. The desire for food, the desire for physical intimacy, the desire for love, the desire to have, a, have a, 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 a social aspect about us. Those are all things that are inherent in the way that God created it, created us. And then there's cultural desires that are driven by our culture. You've got to have a house. You've got to have the right clothes and all these things. The desires aren't necessarily wrong or sinful, but they can be if they're not kept in check. Notice what James says in James chapter 1, just a couple pages back if you have your Bibles. Notice in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, that when desire has conceived, it gets birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. What's James saying? Our desires and our control of our desires are the catalyst that leads to sin. If I do not control my desires, whether it be social desire whether it be the desire for food, whether it be the desire for physical intimacy, if I don't control how I receive those things and do those and, and receive them in the way that God has intended, then I give Satan a chance to entice or to tempt me. I would imagine for a Christian that is in a stressful situation, whether it would be career stress, relationship stress, grief stress, whatever it would be, that one could be tempted to relieve that stress in an ungodly way. We watch television and we see this individual and, and it talks about stress and, and they say, well, here's this, this wonderful alcohol will take away your stress. It'll make your life happy again. I could see where that might be a temptation to a person that struggled to keep their desires under control. That's where Satan comes in. 
what we should do is that we should proclaim the praises of God and we should abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We have to contain, control our desires. The word of God can help us to do that. David said, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. God tells us we can pray to him and have a peace that surpasseth all understanding. But I have to trust in God because I'm part of his chosen generation, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his own special people. I can do that. I can allow him to help me, and so can you. Which brings us to our third point. Why? Why should we do this? Why should we proclaim the praises of God? Why should we abstain from sin, abstain from those fleshly lusts which war against the soul? Notice what he says. I have to get back to 1 Peter for that. Having your conduct honorable, honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, I don't live on an island. You don't live on an island. Be careful. Little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little hand, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Why do you think we have our children sing those songs? And why do you think we should live those out as the people of God? Because others are watching us. That word observed there is really interesting. It's from the same word group as overseers. One of the terms bishop in the New Testament, the eldership. It's one of the terms used for the eldership. They are overseers. They are to see that everything is done properly. They are to be watching, be about that, know what's going on. In other words, what Peter is saying is, is the Gentiles, the worldly, are watching you and I, and they're not just glancing at us, they're looking at us intently. They're looking at us to see what we are about during times of grief, during times of trial, during times of stress, during times of difficulty, during times of fiery trial, they are looking at us intently, examining us to see what we're about. See, we sing the praises of God, His excellencies, His virtue during times of trial and times of blessing. Because the world 
is watching us. And the thought there is he says that. Glorify God in the day of visitation. There's two thoughts that may be there. And I think the context is driving this. That when they see our lives. And because of our lives and because of who we are and how we react to the things, the trials and the tribulations of this world around us, that they are drawn to Christ. And because they're drawn to Christ, when Christ comes again in flaming judgment, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel, that there are those who, because of our lives and have been drawn to Christ, can glorify God because they've given their life to Christ because of your actions, your being God's chosen generation, his chosen family. You're being the priesthood of the king of kings. You're being a set-apart family for God, a set-apart people, a special people who have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light to whom God has chosen mercy, extended mercy. You know? When I read the words of Peter, and I studied for this lesson, it made me feel good. It made me feel good. When we look at the religious world around us, and we're called a cult, we're called different names, derogatory names, and, and just all kinds of horrible things said about us as the body of Christ. And here Peter says, this is what God thinks about you. It makes me feel good. And it makes me feel good on days that aren't so good. Maybe that's your day today. Maybe you're not feeling so good. It may be due to sickness. It may be due to grief. It may be due to relationship problems. There's just all kinds of things that tear at our heart. But if you are a New Testament Christian, take comfort, take strength, take joy in the fact that God looks at you differently than maybe you even look at yourself. And because of that, know, as Jesus told his followers, that he has not left you and he has not forsaken you. You are God's chosen people. You are a priesthood to the king. You are his holy nation. You are his special, purchased, his own people. This morning, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism... That's not who you are. The Bible's very specific. As we read there in Ephesians 1, all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are in Christ Jesus. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you're willing to repent of your sins and confess that faith, 
We'll help to baptize you that you may arise to walk in newness of life, knowing that you've been baptized into Christ, into a relationship with him. And we'd like to help you to do that this morning. And, and if you want to learn more about Christ and who he is and what this is about, we'd love to study with you and share with you not what our opinion is, but what the Bible is, says. And if you are a New Testament Christian, I hope if you're going through a struggle, this has been an encouragement to you. But if there's sin in your life, that sin can separate you from God. And none of us want that. I can't be God's special people. I can't be a holy nation with sin in my life, sin that I'm aware of. I have to turn, it, turn away from it. And if it's a sin that needs to be publicly confessed, we urge you to come that we might pray with you and for you. Or if we can help you in any way, we urge you to come as we sing this song of encouragement.